The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, Lord. It was evening on the day Jesus rose from the dead, the first day of the week, <coughs> and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise you, Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. I thought I'd begin this morning by reading out a letter that our bishop has asked to be read out in all of our churches here this weekend. And so he writes, he addresses it to our brothers and sisters in the Diocese of Peterborough. And it reads, The great feast of Pentecost celebrates the descent of the Holy Spirit upon the apostles, empowering them to carry out the mission that Jesus had given them. For this reason, it is often called the birthday of the church, since under the Spirit's influence, the followers of Jesus began to carry the message of his gospel to the world. In St. Luke's description of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's presence was evident in the sound of a mighty wind and the tongues of flame. In the Old Testament, God often revealed his presence in fire and wind, and the Hebrew word for wind can also be equated to death, to breath, These are beautiful images that speak of how the Holy Spirit animates the church, breathing his very life into us and igniting the flame of faith so that the church in every age may do God's work and reveal his love to the world. I am pleased that on this Feast of Pentecost 2023, we are inaugurating our diocesan pastoral plan which charts a course for our activity and ministry in the next five years. Titled, Transforming Our Lives, Building Our Church, it is the fruit of prayerful discussion and discernment over the past two years in parish, regional, and diocesan meetings. In our listening to the Holy Spirit through those discussions with each other, we have identified six pastoral goals and specific strategies to help achieve them at the diocesan and parish levels. Great autonomy has been given to each parish to determine the strategies that will work best in their circumstances. It is my prayerful hope 
that clergy and parishioners in each parish will embrace this diocesan pastoral plan and consider best how to make it live and breathe in their local community. The diocesan pastoral plan has been published on our website. It is concise and well laid out, so I encourage you to take a few moments to read it. I also offer my sincere thanks to the members of the Diocesan Pastoral Planning Committee and to all those who offered input or joined in the discussion sessions that formed the basis of this plan. The Holy Spirit enabled the apostles to do things they could not do on their own. May that same Spirit empower us for the work of the gospel, breathing life into this diocesan pastoral plan and igniting us to realize its goals as we carry on the mission of the church. Yours in Christ, and designed Bishop Daniel Amin. So this letter comes after um, over four years of work that's gone into this. So what's gone on, you may have remembered many of the surveys that you were encouraged to fill in. Some of you were invited to participate in some different discussions. And from that, after discussion, prayer, and reflection, a plan has been made for uh, the parishes of our diocese. And this plan features six goals. Uh, I, I won't remember them all offhand, but they're goals like... Um, to make sure our welcome is good, uh, to make sure that we are doing our best to, uh, to in our worship, to see what we can do to bring healing into our world, uh, or, um, and, and uh, among other things as well. These were the goals, and each parish is being, will be called on to come up with a plan on how they will fulfill and live out their, these goals in their own, uh, in their own parish. It's going to be, this is an exercise of imagination. And when I think about those early Christians who first received the Holy Spirit, uh, those first Christians of our church, I think they must have been an imaginative group of people. They had no past experience to fall upon. Uh, when they were sharing the good news, there was no guides for them except the Holy Spirit. So they must have been a very imaginative group. And I think that work of imagining uh, still continues today. We might in our own parish imagine what things would be like if our parish was so full that it became uncomfortable in this space on Sunday. Certainly a great problem to have. We might think of uh, what, how things might be different if even a quarter of those who send, a quarter of those families that send children to our Catholic grade schools, if we saw them here, or how things might be different if each person who came through the doors of our church um, uh, uh, shared their gifts in even small ways, both here and I have no doubt it would spill out into our larger community as well. There's going to be a lot of work placed on the shoulders of our priests because we will be asked uh, sometime this week, I know our bishop is going to ask us in our parish, parishes to develop plans on how we will fulfill these six goals in our own parish, and he's going to want regular written reports on how we are living those goals out. So it's certainly good news, a great opportunity for us to invite the Holy Spirit into our parish to work, but it does come with a catch. As I said, there is a lot of work that will be placed on our priests, and I know it's all going to fall to pieces if it remains there. So I will be asking for a lot of help here in this parish. 
I know we all have gifts. And this shouldn't come as a surprise, especially on this Feast of Pentecost. Because while we know the Holy Spirit could work alone, the Holy Spirit instead includes us in God's work. This is a way that we become Christ-like or more like God by sharing in his work of welcoming, of healing, of worshiping, of serving. And that's the kind of catch for us. There's an opportunity to be like God, but the catch is we're going to be called to serve. When we take a look at the saints, it might be easy to accuse them of, of really being nothing without the Holy Spirit, and they themselves would agree to that, that if it weren't for the Holy Spirit, they wouldn't have become the great men and women that they are. They are our hero, heroes of our today because of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that makes people great. It's the Holy Spirit that makes saints. Now, we all know that we're good. We are, we're all good people. But being great, well, that's something different altogether. We know that we're not saints. We know that we, there's some growth that come, could, come, could come about through our lives. And at the same time, we know we're called to and capable of greatness. Maybe that's why stories of heroes often capture imagination. If it's stories of fictional heroes in movies or stories of real heroes that we hear about, stories of saints or heroes in our community, we know we're capable of greatness. And so we have these stories to illustrate what could be, to imagine what could be when we have heroes in our world. We can't really blame different systems or situations for our lack of being great because we've seen heroes emerge from even the darkest of places. And, that, and so while we know a change is clearly needed, we're left with a question. Does this change come from outside ourselves or from within? Now, for anyone who tries to keep any resolutions of any kind, we know that change from within is extremely difficult. We need some outside help. But at the same time, um, some look for help on the outside and realize that that might not make us great either. Some, might rec some may strive uh, or believe that with enough education or practice or with the right government training or money, we could become great. And while that might make things around us great, that doesn't necessarily make us great. It's not a change from within. And so back to that question, should change that, that movement from being good to being great, does that come from within or from outside? And the answer is both. The Holy Spirit is outside of us as a part, but he changes us from within. After God formed Adam out of the, the earth, he uh, uh, gave him life by breathing into him. This is a change that came from within that earth. To those who were sick, Jesus, while remaining outside of them, changed them from within. He brought them healing, especially through the forgiveness of sins. The church came to life not simply by having disciples, but when Jesus breathed over them and granted them the Holy Spirit. And again, we see that they changed from within. This is the new creation that God's promised. A promise to take what's good and from within make it something great. It's the Holy Spirit that takes good people, takes the good things we have to offer, 
and make them, makes them great. Later on, over the next couple of weeks, we reflect on what we need to accept the Holy Spirit and become the truly great disciples that he's called us to be. O God, who have taught the hearts of the faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant that in the same Spirit we may be truly wise and ever rejoice in his consolation. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen.